the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and a mega welcome to all of you. I am so excited uh, to uh, have this live stream for many reasons. One is to see you and to interact with you. I've missed you, folks. I haven't been able to do my usual live stream, but for obvious reasons, we're in studios, me and Dr. J uh, recording a lot of exciting videos, and we will share about that uh, towards the end of this particular live stream. But this live stream will be the usual one hour in length divided into two parts. First 25 minutes or so will be part one. The second 25 minutes or so will be part two. And the reason why I do this because it is part of our radio called Let Us Reason. With that in mind, I want to welcome you, of course, to our podcast, Let Us Reason. And now the clock will start ticking. And we have about 24 to 25 minutes, give or take, for this particular part. And with us here in studio, our dear brother, Dr. Jay Smith, who is sitting next to me, but also joining us uh, remotely or virtually, a dear uh, also brother and a friend, Mel, who always comes here to share some amazing discoveries based on his research. Today's topic is no different. We are going to continue with these revelations that are concerning the history of Islam, the origin of Islam, some of its rituals, even its possible original location for some of its uh, main main sites. Today we're going to talk about something called the Masjid al-Haram, which represents the Islamic holy site. Today, when you say that word, al-Masjid al-Haram, Muslims think of Mecca and think of the Kaaba and think of that big holy mosque area in there. And there are a number of rituals that will be conducted in there, whether you're doing the minor pilgrim uh, pilgrimage or the major pilgrimage. There is the Black Stone. Uh, there is also other places in there that you perform pl- prayers at. There are two uh, rocks that you do a ritual running between them, known as Safa and Marwa. There is also the Well of Zemzem. But believe it or not, our brother Mel today will make his case that actually the original site for a Masjid al-Haram was in Jerusalem, And along that uh, uh, notion, we are going to explore the possibility of Safa and Marwa being there in Jerusalem initially, and even the Zamzam well. With that in mind, I want to welcome Dr. Jay, of course, for being here with us, and want to welcome Brother Mel. Mel, thank you so much. Uh, You always come up with these amazing discoveries for us, you know, anywhere from the origin of Muhammad now to the origin of some of these rituals, and even the original site for this sacred mosque. Um, hi, Al-Fadi. It's uh, great to be back. Um, I keep working away uh, trying to uncover the, the truth of, of the origins of Islam. And today I'm offering a new hypothesis 
um, and uh, it's a kind of a standalone hypothesis. Um, I would, first of all, like to draw our attention to the following gospel, uh, which is a kind of a, a good way of understanding our work. It's the familiar story of Jesus um, healing the blind man. And uh, when he healed him, he, he, uh, the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And I think that's a great metaphor for our work. At first, we see things in, in low resolution, and then we gradually see things more clear as we find additional pieces of information. Wonderful. And I would, I would also kind of ask Muslims to be willing to... Um, open their eyes and um, see the facts as well and consider new possibilities as well. Yes, that's that's a great analogy. Uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, you know, Jay, I want to ask you this question. Uh, did you know anything? I know you've, you've done a lot of research and we've been talking about a lot of uh, the new discoveries. Did you know anything about the possibility of the Hajj being even in Jerusalem, not necessarily in Petra, for instance? <laughs> no, and this is why I'm just sitting at the edge of my seat because I, what I love about Mel, uh, he really delves into these new areas and he puts them up as white papers. We take them, we look at them, and we try to assess them. We try to see if the evidence fits. In this case, this is all brand new. We've just done a whole series of talks on Mecca itself. We've just done a whole series of talks on the Hajj and the five places of the Hajj. Now Mel's going to introduce yet another category, another possibility that predates Mecca, that predates Petra, that is even before that. And, and that's why I love this kind of work, because it's if pushing, we're pushing the boundaries. And it's people like Mel and his team. He has quite a few in his team around the world that are working with him, that are unpacking it. Mel is the one that puts his face on the camera and actually puts it out there, but he's also doing the research on his own. So here we go. Let's go and see. What does he have concerning this Masjid al-Haram? And he's going to talk about Safa and Marwa and even the Zamzam well. Well, those are three of the categories that we've been looking at there in Mecca. He's going to say no. They actually predate not only Petra, possibly even uh, back to, earlier than that to Jerusalem. Amen. So I, again, I want to welcome everyone who's watching this live stream. This is part of also our uh, radio podcast, Let Us Reason. So I want to welcome also our listeners. This is two parts. So you'll listen to the pod stream uh, right now. And next week, we'll have part two. If you're watching it live right now with us in studio, we have two parts. So please be patient with us as we stop the first part and continue with our thoughts. Mel, I'll turn it over to you then. Uh, you have some okay. slides you want to walk us through. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge the work of uh, other people on, on whose work I've, I've built upon, particularly Paul Ellis, uh, Edward Marie Gallais, Odin, um, Colin from Islam Critiqued, AJ Juice, Murad and other work that I've done as well previously. And I, I think we also um, need to add Joe. Joe's, uh, I know that yeah. Joe has been also working on this very material as well. In fact, you're going to see that Mel and Joe agree on this point. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, uh, wonderful so, names and wonderful people. Thank you so much for sharing uh, uh, this endorsement of the, their work. Okay, so the standard Islamic narrative says the following, that the Masjid al-Haram, the Hajj, Safa and Mecca are in the Hejaz and were only ever in the Hejaz. That's what we've been told all along. Okay. According to A.J. Juice, um, his paper, Surah 2, Mani Kiblis, he says the Quran neither commands a change from Jerusalem nor to Mecca, but instead to Al-Haram in present-day Israel. And that's an important point. The idea that it commands a change from Jerusalem does not exist in the Quranic text itself. And the question is, where did we get that idea from? The Sen proposes it, I would suggest, to cover 
for what was obvious to many in the 8th century. There used to be a Hajj to Jerusalem promoted by Caliph Abdul al-Malik. And today I will be giving you some of the evidence for that case. And as you can see here, this is Surah 2. I'm not going to read it through, but as you can see, there's no reference to Jerusalem there. Where did they get the idea that there was um, a Qibla towards uh, Jerusalem to begin with? So there's obviously something behind all of that where it comes from. So the following is um, from Paul Ellis' uh, work. And he basically asked the question, what does the Quran say about the Al-Masjid Al-Haram, the forbidden place of prostration? So it's referred to as the house. It's also referred to my house. And it's interesting that it says my, as we shall see, it was Umar who originally built the masjid on the Temple Mount. And we have this from Murad, which is a correspondence between Emperor Leo III and Umar II, uh, not to be confused with Umar I. He says, it was Umar, Abu Turab, and Salman, the Persian, who composed that your Purkan, which is the Quran, even though the rumor has got around among you that God sent it down from the heavens. So he kind of suggests that Umar was one of the key individuals behind the what became the Quran. In the early days, it was referred to as the Purkan, which I think uh, refers to salvation. Now, another idea about the Masjid is, is the station of Abraham. So that would suggest this is a place where Abraham has been. The ancient house, the sacred house, the Kaaba, the cube, the first house created for mankind at Baca. Uh, when Abraham and Ishmael were raising the foundations of the house is also another concept. Um, Abraham says, Lord, I've settled some of my progeny in a valley of, without progeny in thy sacred house or by thy sacred house. Obviously, that suggests that Israel, really because that's where he settled his people. It's a pilgrimage destination. And he's, and in the Quran it says, do not shave your heads until the offering reaches the place of sacrifice. The new moon is a marker for the Hajj, and uh, we know that it was the Babylonians who for 800 years did astronomical observations of the new moon. So that would suggest a connection there with, with the north again. Um, interestingly, he says there's no harm in the rituals of Safa and Marwa. Um, another one. And remember, when we assign for Abraham the place of the house, ascribe unto me no partners and purify my house for those who circumambulate it and those who stand and those who bow and prostrate. OK, so we see quite a, a few things with that. Now, there's problems with Mecca fulfilling these ideas. So you're using the Quran no... now to show the description of the Masjid Haram from the Quran. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so Muslims assume that the Quran is referring to Mecca, um, but there are problems, and and both of you have raised a lot of these problems before. And this will be no surprise to you. There's no sign of Mecca's existence before the year 700. That's a major problem. So, how can it be the ancient house if it wasn't around until uh, the eighth century? That's a big problem. Why would Hagar and Ishmael go 600 miles from Canaan to an arid desert? 600 miles south, i.e. Mecca in the Hejaz. The Bible clearly says that um, Abraham sent Hagar out just south of Beersheba, which is the southern part of Israel. So how, how can that possibly make sense? There's no biblical link between the places of Safa and Marwa and the story of Hagar and Ishmael looking for water in the desert. Uh, Islam has put these two things together. Why? How did that happen? Because the Bible doesn't mention these places in connection with that. 
Safa and Marwa in Mecca are not hills. They're actually little boulders. They're, they're just uh, rocks jutting out from the ground. They're, that's all they were. Baka and Mecca are completely different words. People often overlook that. And if we then look at the reasons why I believe that the Masjid al-Haram is the Masjid on the Temple Mount, here's reason number one in terms of the link with Abraham. So if we look at Genesis 22, Genesis refers to Abraham building an altar on Mount Moriah to sacrifice Isaac upon. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Oops, let me just try that again. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Mm -hmm. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, just a little aside, but the the letter B and the word al-bait are are linked. Um, Originally, there was a hieroglyphic of a house, and then it became this ancient Semitic form, and then eventually became the Arabic letter Ba. And what's interesting is that it it looks very much in terms of its shape like an altar that's found in Egypt. So perhaps there is an ancient link between the idea of a house and an altar. So this is a little aside, just a suggestion. Now, um, another idea. It, it, it is where Solomon built the first temple. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aranona, the Jebusite, probably saying that wrong, the place provided by David. And we can see the shape of it there on the right-hand side. Now, if we look a little bit closer... And we're on to reason two. The Kaaba is a cube. If you think about the Ark of the Covenant, it was kept in the Holy of Holies, which was a cubic room. God's present, the Shekinah, was believed to be there. Now, you can see they used to have a tent, which was rectangular in shape, but one end of it was a cube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Jesus died, the curtains in the temple tore in two. That symbolized the idea that the, the gap between God and humanity was taken away. But I don't know if many people realize that the Holy of Holies was in a cube form. So that's significant. When Solomon built the first temple, it says in Chronicles, the portico at the front of the temple was 20 cubits long across the width of the building and 20 cubits high. Now, obviously, that isn't quite a cube there because we need another dimension. But if we look at Kings, we see a description which says it's 20 cubits long, 20 wide and 20 high. Now, in my book, that's a cube. Does any of you want to jump in on that? Uh, no, I just wanted to, uh, you know, uh, basically uh, emphasize that everything you're sharing here with us uh, kind of makes sense um, in terms of uh, shapes, locations, references. So I can see that you are trying to tie these uh, knots together right now. Okay. So reason three is to do with the Hajj itself, the pilgrimage. So according to Deuteronomy 16, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Notice the the names of these (coughs) festivals. Hag, Hag Hakazir, Hag HaShavuot, Hag HaSukot. And also, notice in Exodus, 
it involved sacrifice of goat, which is very similar to Eid al-Adha. If we look at the word Hajj, it is a clear Arabic borrowing from the Hebrew Hag. Mm -hmm. The G in Hebrew turned into a J in Arabic. And according to Odin Lafontaine, there's no logical connection to the Arabic etymology, which is HJJ, to argue. A person who makes the pilgrimage is called a Hagag, which, of course, if you turn that into Arabic, would be Hajaj, mm -hmm. which you, I'm sure you're familiar with someone called Al-Hajaj. That's right. So that's interesting. If news of that's, uh, yeah. it, it suggests a link there. Um, and it's interesting that all three of these hags or hajas, which were made by Jews, were to the Temple Mount. So that would suggest that originally this hajj was to the Temple Mount. So that's, I think, a strong argument. Now, in addition to that, if we focus on the, the Feast of Weeks, and this is, blew me away when I first read this, the Mishnah Sukkah 4.5 says that they are to circle the temple seven times on the seventh day, which is exactly what is done around the Kaaba. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, so that's more than just a coincidence. Um, and then reason four, the house of God. The Bible refers to the temple frequently as the house of God. That would be no surprise to you. Here are some examples. Uh, one particular famous one, as you know, is Jesus saying, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Reason five is to with Baca. Um, Baca is referred to in Psalm 84. And if you look at the passage there, you will see courts, your altar, pilgrimage. These are all connected to the temple. And so Baca, the Valley of Baca, is symbolic of the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And here I want to I want to make reference to what me and Jay raised a couple of times in the past that Mecca is mentioned twice in the Quran allegedly, but one time really it's spelled correctly with a me Mecca, whereas the second time it's called Becca, and uh, I grew up in there. We never called it Becca. We we understood that that's a reference to Mecca, but why would it called be called Becca? Long and behold, now we're looking north, and there is the Becca Valley or the Valley of Becca. <laughs> Is it a coincidence? I mean, is everything pointing north now? I mean, is it a coincidence? That's the... Uh, and for those of you who want to know where Becca Valley is, just look on a map. It's in what is today Lebanon. So th th that is none of that. We actually have three references to Becca. It's not just in that valley. We have other ones that, that also place another Becca down in the Sinai. But getting back to what you were saying, this is exciting stuff, Mel. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm entranced. Go, yeah, we me. have about five minutes left for this part, uh, uh, Mel, just to give you an idea. Okay. Okay. Let's go on. So another uh, reason is circumambulation. Uh, the Dome of the Rock was designed purposefully to be circumambulated. You can see the figure of a person walking around the center. Um, and uh, they put the inscriptions there in the Dome of the Rock for those who walked around. So that's obvious that it's, a, it's meant for that. Reason seven. Um, okay, so this is Marwan Safa in Mecca today and the Kaaba next to it. And they circumambulated between the two. Okay, but Safa and Marwa and Mecca have no history prior to the 8th century and no biblical support for their location there. And it's interesting that, you know, if you were to go there, you can see that these are not hills. These are just boulders, as you can see from the pictures. They're out, rocky outcrops at, mo at most. I've been there. I've now, if you look at a, trust me. Yeah. yeah. If you look at a map of, if you look at a map of Jerusalem, okay, so you have the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed before he died. We have... Uh, the Temple Mount, and look what we have here. Mount Moriah, in Arabic, that's Marwa. So there we have Mara, or Marwa, 
So that's at least 2,000 years old, probably 2,500 years old, that name. And then across over here, you have Mount Scobus, and we have a reference from Josephus, which is 2,000 years old, and it was also called Mount Safa. So there you have Marwa <laughs> and Safa. I love this. There well, in, this is so exciting. What I you're mean, saying is these are deformations of the words that we now were then incorporated into what we have in Petra, then incorporated once again as facsimiles in Mecca in the 8th century. This is great. Thanks. Yes, for and, and this, this, my, my question to my viewers now, if you, I see some Muslims watching, you know, is it a coincidence really that you have a mount called Marwa and a mount called Safa? right there by in Jerusalem? Is it a coincidence? I mean, I can go on preaching about this right now, why Satan would take things and distort it and try to give you the impression that you're doing something that is religious when in fact it's just a distortion of facts that will point to the real Savior, our Lord. Can we just also say one more point to the Muslims who are talking, Muhammad Malik and others? Yeah. You are saying that we're just making this up. Did you notice what Mel is doing? He is actually yeah. using historical evidence. He's actually uh, quoting from the very text. Josephus is from the second century. So what I want the Muslims to do is, if they believe there was a Safa and Marwa in Mecca, show me from the seventh century, at least from the seventh century, because you're saying the Safa and Marwa go back way before the seventh century. Prove it. Don't just sit there and bellyache at us, and don't just sit there and yell at us. Give us the evidence, and do not waste our time with 9th and 10th century material. We want it from the 7th century or earlier. I leave it up to you, because all you're going to do is bellyache and call us liars. At least Mel has the evidence. He is decoding historical evidence. I want you to do the same. You're asking him to do too much, uh, Jay. Uh, Mel, uh, if you can take maybe one and a half more minutes uh, to wrap this apart. Let me... let me just wrap it up here quickly. Um, so the Quran doesn't mention Je- Jehoshaphat, which is the Kedron Valley. But what it does mention is the Valley of Gehenna, which is Jehannam, 77 times, or an alternative is Jahin, 101 times. And where is that? L- look at the map. So there is the Kidron Valley there. Here's Hinnom, which is mentioned 101 times in the Quran. So that's hugely significant. And Mecca is only mentioned once. So which is the more important place, this place or Mecca? Man, and Mel, if, in the last if, minute alone, you did so much damage. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> a lot of shows can built upon it. You're going so fast, we're going to have to compa- uh, uh, unpack this a bit more, Mel. But God bless you. Thanks for what you're bringing up here. Uh, this just whets my appetite. I hope it's wetting all your appetites as well. Listen to what he's saying. This is a white paper. He's putting it out there. We're now going to start discussing it. Yes. Well, Emil, uh, what uh, should people expect in the second part? What are you going to cover? Well, we're going to develop this a little bit further. We're going to look at the story of how the masjid was built um, on the Temple Mount, and it all points to it being the original location of the Hajj. So we're going to see lots of evidence connecting Abdul Malik with the Hajj in Jerusalem. So that's coming up next. Yep. God bless you, brother. And uh, uh, to those who are watching us right now, we are wrapping up part two of our Uh, live stream and also our podcast let us reason if you're listening to it next week going to be even more exciting what we have done so far with our brother mel here uh, joining us virtually is to prove that some of the islamic rituals that are known today in mecca part of a pilgrimage for instance or the so-called the uh, sacred mosque and masjid al-haram in mecca it appears that those terminologies actually have their origin in (coughs) jerusalem and it's no coincidence then that we have a mount called Mount uh, Jabal Marwa and then Jabal Safa, where we have Safa and Marwa in Mecca. No surprise. 
You know, uh, what a coincidence that you have these names right there. And now we're going to talk about also the act of uh, pilgrimage itself, uh, which he alluded to that uh, the three festivals that are mentioned in the Bible, they start with the word Hag. And from there, uh, you have the reference to Hajj. And possibly that's a, a distortion of where those pilgrims were done initially. And now it's been stolen and applied to another location. Something that, of course, Satan is a master uh, deceiver when it comes to doing these manipulations. Why? Because I want you, my Muslim friends, to do your homework, do your research, investigate the facts that we're sharing with you. We care for your eternal life and for your security, and we care for your soul. You do your homework. You can really uh, pretend that we're lying to you. That's fine. It's not going to change the facts that Islam is not going to offer you anything of substance. Everything so far we've talked about the history of Islam has been debunked to prove to you that there is no such thing as 7th century Islam. There is no 7th century book. There is no 7th century man. There is no 7th century place. And the list can go on and on and on. I want to thank both of you for being here with me. Uh, hang tight. We're going to do part two shortly. Thank you, everyone, for watching this. This is the conclusion of part one. And thank you to our podcast, Let Us Reason uh, listeners. We are finishing uh, this uh, podcast. And next week, we will continue with part two. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.